Welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Los Angeles. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. This episode is sponsored by So Chatty Chocolate. At the Jam Lab, love you too. Aww. What's the best way not to get a soggy bottom? Oh, <laughs> it, it had to be in there. Soggy bottom. We could Maybe. not. Get through. <laughs> I love this question. It's a good one. It's a good one. I am such a big fan of blind baking. I mean, I almost now. I think I I nearly blind bake all of my pie crusts, whether it's a custard filling or not. Um, I've never had a problem with it. The only thing you may run into is the the edge overcooking, but you can um, control that if you know you're going to blind bake your crust first and that you typically might not. Um, you can cover that and, and fix things. But um, I also, when I blind bake, I use um, like Stella Parks, kind of has made popular. Um, I use sugar as the weight instead of um, those little ceramic beads or beans. Me too. Um, and it is incredible. And you're left with this absolutely amazing roasted sugar that you can use for so many things. You'd think it would all just melt in there, but it doesn't. Um, something else I picked up from, um, I think it might have been Nancy Silverton, that um, I blind bake for a lot longer than what most recipes will tell you. I do at a lower temperature around 350 for like 45 minutes, sometimes up to an hour instead of like a 15 minute blind bake at like 425 or something. And I think it, it works so much better. Um, everything kind of comes together and it's much more crispy. It holds the filling in a lot better too. I'm exactly with you at 100%. I love the sugar is amazing. (laughs) Amazing. And you use that with foil and that that also helps conduct the heat to the crust. And Oh, I'm so, it was so annoyed with like rice falling everywhere. And then I don't want to buy the expensive baking beads. And, but here's my other tip, especially if you're doing um, like a filled, like a pumpkin pie, not a pumpkin pie, sorry, like a chiffon pie or a custard pie where you're pouring in something into a pre-baked crust is to grate, cocoa butter on top of the hot crust it creates a seal you could also if you want to add chocolate the flavor of chocolate you can use any type of melted chocolate and it will create a barrier that no moisture is going to get through Um, the nice thing about cocoa butter is it's totally flavorless and i just use my microplane go across the crust while it's hot done sealed that's awesome i've done egg washes before but i've cocoa butter would be probably so much better that sounds pretty easy to do. It's not like some yeah. huge extra step and a million more dishes. It's a microplane. Done and done. Easy. Done. Um, do you guys both, when you blind bake, I use foil. I heard you say foil, Jeremiah. Do you use foil as well, um, Mr. Fatty? I do. Yeah, I use foil. Um, I, I mean, parchment paper is terrible. It does not work. So it crumples yeah. up and then your, your crust is not going to be um, even across the bottom. But I also use a pizza stone sometimes. Um there are some nights when if I've cooked a, a pizza or something and it's already in the oven and hot, I will just leave it in there hot and I will put the pie pan um, on that to uh, make sure that that crust gets really crispy. That's a tip Rose gave too in her pastry books is yeah. exactly that. Exactly. That can help with your soggy bottoms. All right. Um, 
Going on the same note, the flour table asks avoiding soggy crust with pies that aren't pre-baked. So let's say you do a double crust. And this just makes me think of a question too. Have you guys ever tried this? I always want to try this. And then once I'm committed, I really want to make sure the pie is going to be good. So I never try this. Have you ever tried pre-baking the base, but not like too, too much, like just a very minimal one, then filling it and then putting the top crust on and then baking it? Have you tried that? Would it work? Yeah, it definitely works. Um, and actually as long as you're not baking it too much, it's really actually pretty easy to seal that top crust on. Um, I still use an egg wash around the the top rim of it to seal it. But if you're just par baking it for, you know, 10 minutes or something and, um, I've used it, I don't know. It'd be really interesting to do it kind of side by side and see how much different it is. Um, but it makes me really nervous to do. Yeah. Uh, filled pies with the top and bottom crust. Um, so Ooh. I think um, I try to put more attention though uh, to the filling when it comes to that. I think that is such a big source of the, the liquid in the pie that yeah. if your filling isn't appropriately handled and you don't know or, or haven't thought about like the pectin content of the fruit, whether it's high or low, um, or how much water it's going to put out. Sometimes I'll pre-bake the filling or I'll not pre-bake, but I'll, I'll cook it. I'll cook the filling ahead of time and then put right. it in. Um, and that makes a huge difference. If you're worried about it, do that. I would say too. Um, Cause it's, you're, it's really pretty hard to completely dry out a pie filling. Right. So you're probably not going to hurt yourself by um, right. trying to get a, rid of a little bit of that moisture ahead of time. I just remembered another tip for pumpkin pie that I wanted to share with you when I was reading last night. On the base of the pie, sprinkle over a mixture of like crushed nuts and crushed like cookies. So it can be something that absorbs some of that filling. I haven't tried that, but I think that's brilliant. That would be great. I haven't done it with nuts, but I've done it with crushed graham crackers before. And it definitely works. It definitely works. And the graham cracker is so neutral and it kind of just goes into that very wet type of filling that you don't notice it when you're eating. There's nothing, you know, that's fighting the flavors. So, so smart. It's lovely. At K R S T N dot C L L N S wants to know, how do you get your all butter crust crimp to hold its shape? Yeah. So I, I think it kind of goes back to what I said about doubling up the edge. It, that's so important. I think even if you're doing um, not a top crust and bottom. So what you do is you put your bottom in, um, take some kitchen shears or whatever, cut it in excess, um, which ends up making such a better shape to the pie crust anyway. Um, and then take that, fold it under the dough, and then press it down onto the edge. And you have twice as much dough then to work with. And I structurally, it works a lot better. And then, I mean, you have to chill it. I chill all of the pie crusts before I bake them. Um, even after it's been chilled and rolled out, I'll put it in the, in the pie tin uh, and stick it back in the fridge too. I don't know about you guys too, but I've been crimping before. And as I'm doing that, like I normally do with my fingers and thumb, that kind of crimping as I'm doing that, if I fill a real, like a larger piece of butter, cause I leave pieces as big as like a hazelnut in there. If I feel like, Ooh, I'm hitting a big glob. I'll take some other of my spare crust and reinforce that section. Cause you know, that butter's going to melt yeah. and, and create the steam and go away. And then that section of the crimp is going to look really horrid. So just, I, I kind of like will keep doubling the same as you're saying, just in a different way, like by folding or doubling, like more and more and more if you need to. Absolutely. 
Next. Okay, so are we good on crust? Let's move on to some filling questions. We just had a couple of filling questions, but they're good ones. So uh, Deep Fried Duck says, how do you best control the juice amounts since they seem like they can be so variable sometimes? Did she say deep fried duck? <laughs> that is deep such a good Instagram name. <laughs> Makes me hungry. Uh, that is awesome. Um, I think uh, we talked a little bit about this with the with like fruit, but I think knowing your ingredients is is comes back and back and back. It's so important. Um, not only is it really important with the filling, um, same with crust, but um, the first thing that comes to mind with that to me is fruit. Um, I think the all the fruit has different pectin contents, right? So cranberries, like, for example, have a really high pectin content um, where um, along with like most cooking apples and citrus where like rhubarb and strawberries, cherries have a really low pectin content and may not um, thicken as well. So you may have to help that along either by um, cooking it. Um, Something I like to do um, also with like the lower pectin content like strawberries is to macerate it with some sugar first and then let it sit and then drain off that extra liquid. The sugar will pull out a lot of that water. Um, and I will tell you that strawberry sugar water stuff, um, you can cook that down. It's really good in cocktails too. So, um, but like it's, yeah, you, you have to think about what's going in it. Um, I would cut fruit, not in wedges too. I think that those, gaps that it leaves around all all of the fruit are a little deceiving and um so i I cut all of the like apples into flat slices which um will fill the pie more evenly and i think that helps with um a lot of that well said agree completely love it next (laughs) next (laughs) (laughs) hm jacques wants to know how do you avoid watery fillings is it okay to pre-cook the filling yeah i mean uh yeah that's kind of what i um just talked about a little so i i pre-cook a lot of my pie fillings especially with fruit um and it really it, it makes a big difference it pulls out a lot of the water i will add that if you're doing a filling that has corn starch or type of starch and that you don't pre pre cook it, that it needs to come to a boil in the oven. That's the only way you're going to activate all of that starch. So you have to make sure it's bubbling or make sure you stick a thermometer in there and you know what temperature you're looking for. But that's the only way to get a really watery filling with starch to actually set. And then you have to let it cool. Like you can't cut it and have a nice hot slice. It's going to go everywhere. You have to let it go all the way down to room temperature for that starch to um, stabilize. It's the worst part. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Terrible. Pie torture. Um, a little side note, and it's not a technical thing, but another like recipe to add to the mix is one of my favorite pies I've ever made is one. It's on Bon Appetit's website. It's by Macrina Bakery, and it's a roasted apple pie. And so you roast the apples first, and it creates like it gets rid of all the juice, but it also intensifies the flavor. It tastes like apple cider in a pie. So I think that pre-cooking is great for getting rid of the excess liquid, but then also thinking about, is this an opportunity to add flavor? Always, always, always. I think a lot of people think that if you're cooking things ahead of time and then putting it in the pie that you're actually cooking out some of the the flavor of it, but it's the complete opposite. You're, you're concentrating instead. So I'm a big fan of that. Yes, sir. Okay. So free from on to free from here we go. So Hannah Cha 
H-A-N-N-A-C-H-A says, can you suggest a good gluten-free pastry recipe, one that doesn't use a gluten-free flour pre-made mix? Oh, geez. She had to put that qualifier in there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so full disclosure, I don't do a lot of gluten-free cooking. Um, I know like you, Amanda, have, have done more of that with cakes and, and some of the stuff you've done lately. Um, but I... When I have done it, it's kind of been on accident. So I like using a lot of nut flours for crusts. I think um, pecans make for an amazing crust. Um, I, I usually will actually toast them first and then um, process them with, in a food processor with sugar. Um, and I'll, I'll usually use like coconut oil or something. Um, it's kind of more like a tart crust, I guess. And I would say that it is not on the flaky side, it's more of the kind of crumbly top crust, but those are really good still. But um, yeah, maybe you know better how to do this. You've played with that a little bit more, I think. I have got a recipe for this lovely person because I used to do a ton of gluten-free baking when um, my husband Jonathan was gluten-free. So I'm going to give you the recipe right now. It's 170 grams of brown rice flour, 205 grams white rice flour, 165 grams sweet rice flour that can also be called glutinous rice flour, but it doesn't have any gluten. 120 grams of tapioca flour or starch and about two teaspoons of xanthan gum. Now you can switch out the brown rice flour for sorghum flour, which I like to do sometimes really, really good. And you can also substitute millet flour for the white rice flour, which I also enjoyed doing that from time to time. The tapioca can also get switched out for potato starch. If you don't have the tapioca, um, I loved that recipe. I could get some flakiness going if I made the pie just as I would a normal um, pie dough and just kind of treat it treat it respectfully. But there's no gluten, so you can kind of you can have fun with it. But that one worked really well for me, so I hope it works for you. Yeah, I almost wonder if you take those kind of recipes and laminate them a little bit, if that would help, like with the flaky part where you have um, – because you'll still have your fat in there and um, – you know, just a couple folds maybe before you roll it out would maybe help too. I don't know. That's a great idea. Sounds good though. Sorghum flour is fantastic too and things. It tastes Isn't it? Great. Yeah. Jeremiah, I just right. have to say I'm so in awe of you. You just like <laughs> tossed out this recipe. Whoa, what? Like I love it. So. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta make the people happy. Yeah, you're uh, awesome. <laughs> okay, so uh, next question. A N G no, A-N-J-R dot E. Is there a way to make a really good dairy-free pie crust? Are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Are you thinking it? Are you <laughs> totally. Thinking, are you thinking about shortening? Oh! <laughs> oh, I was thinking of coconut oil, but I Are you thinking of coconut oil? Are you thinking of, what are we doing here? Now listen, I, I mean... I'm in, I grew up in Kentucky, and shortening was everything back then. And I'm not... I know people hate it, but I still like to put a little bit in some of the bakes that I have. Um, I also think, I mean, dairy-free wise, there's some really good butter substitutes out there that that work so well in baking. Um, you know, what are they? Vegan. What are they? Tell me, because I've had <laughs> not not good experiences. Really? Oh, I I used some recently that were like. Um, I want to say it was similar to like the earth balance sticks kind of things. I don't know what they're made of. I'm sure it's some kind of mixture of like oils or something, but, um, DM me, DM me later. Yeah. 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 
You can- I would try for coconut oil, keeping it in the solid form. I haven't done it yet, but that's where my brain would go. Or if it's not an animal issue, go for the lard. I was going to yeah. say, lard, lard is, there's so much, yeah. I think what you do have to be careful about, though, is is still like the temperatures. I think if you use too much of a yeah. certain type of fat, um, like coconut oil, for for instance, like the melting points of all these different fats are different and that will definitely affect how you need to, to handle and, and mess with the dough. I need to say something really important. And this is something I've learned from being on the great American baking show and now baking more and more and more and more and more is please test your recipes before let's say Thanksgiving or Christmas. Just give it a go. Especially if you're doing something you haven't done before, always test your recipes. It's a good point. My commercial has ended. Or be prepared to make a trifle with the with yeah, the right. <laughs> deconstructed deconstructed pie, which are also good. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, Alchemy confections. Pie is ready for the oven, but you have no foil for the crust. What now? Oh, geez. Oh gosh, go buy some. Yeah. <laughs> um, is this like for blind baking? Is that what we're thinking? Like, are you thinking about blind baking? So I don't know if it's that, or... or maybe if it's like where people will build like um, the like tent rim, kind of uh, thing. Uh, yeah, or maybe cover up the crust on the sods. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I think you. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's. I'd say I mean, skip the egg wash because that's going to make it brown. Yeah, right. Yeah. Skip that. Yeah. Oh, something I guess if, if you're talking about browning, I guess uh, what you can do too is you just want to deflect some of the heat, right? So like a conventional oven um, has um, radiation, which like the heat wave kind of radiation, not like plutonium, but um, it's radiation heat waves. And you could easily probably just stick another – um, maybe your thinnest cookie sheet on top of the pie, like on the rack up above it. Um, it might take a little bit longer for your pie to set and your filling to cook, but I, I would think it would probably help the the crust to not burn just like a, like a guard would. Yeah. Jumping on that too. Sometimes I'll do two of them stacked on top of each other. What I read somewhere, I don't remember where, but that air pocket between the two sheets creates even a greater barrier yeah. to, so I sometimes I'll do that underneath things or on top so yeah, try that too. If one pan isn't doing it, stack them. Science is cool. Stay in school. Yeah. This is good stuff. We have a very special listener <laughs> question next. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is exciting. At Amanda E. Faber <laughs> would like to know, do you bake your pie on a baking shit? <laughs> <laughs> that was not my question. <laughs> They'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you bake your pie on a baking sheet or do you put a baking sheet on a lower level in your oven? And since I asked the question, I get to clarify here. So, you know, you read a recipe and it's like to catch the juices, bake this on a baking sheet. And like that doesn't go well for me. The crust doesn't bake through. So do you guys do that? Does it work? Do you put it on a lower level? Like what I want to know what you guys specifically do. What do you do? I tried to put, I, I usually will cook. Um, I mean, like I said before, I almost always blind bake my crust, which helps a lot, but, um, and I don't put anything under it, obviously when I do that, but if I'm not doing that or if I'm worried about things dripping off or whatever, I will put a sheet of foil underneath. Um, I find that it doesn't block, um, as much as a full baking sheet, 
Um, but I also, sometimes I'll wait until it's cooked for a little while to throw a baking sheet under. Um, but the problem with that is that the, then it's cooler. So um, the way, if you're going to put something under there, it might be best actually to just stick it under there as your oven's heating up so it's already hot and you're not blocking. When you stick the pie in and then you stick another baking sheet underneath it, um, you're you're really preventing a lot of the heat that needs to get to the bottom of that quickly. So I would probably um, heat that that bottom, whatever you're putting on the bottom, I, like foil or another baking sheet, I would probably heat that up well ahead of time mm. before you put the pie in. Good tip. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I always bake mine right on a sheet. It's been okay for me, but if you're having that issue, maybe preheat the sheet if you're going to put the pie directly on it. Mm. If you're, yeah, or, yeah. Now I'm just being selfish. Have you guys ever <laughs> baked a pie on a baking stone? Because now I'm thinking, I wonder if that would even crisp yeah. it up or would that maybe break your yeah. dish? I don't know. No, it'll it, work. It will. It's great. Pizza stones are are awesome for for that too. So I don't, I, I use those a lot when I'm blind baking a crust, but I also cook the pie on it or I'll just leave it in the oven too, because it, it retains a lot of the heat um, and opening, closing the oven, putting colder things in it will always reduce the heat a little bit. So um, pizza stones are a great way to, um, or baking stones are a great way to, to keep the heat up. Good tips. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Savor it. Baking co says best blind baking tips. Which we may have kind of already covered. Yeah, yeah we've been blind baking yeah. fools. Um, sugar, use foil, blind bake it longer. I say it's definitely one of yeah. those use your senses more than the time kind of thing. If it says golden brown and it's been in there the 20 minutes that somebody has told you to do and it needs 30, if it needs 40, get crazy. Yeah. Do it until it do it till it's the right color, you know. I mean the more that butter the, the, the more color you get, the butter becomes more flavorful, I find. If you keep it really pale, it's not going to be as delicious. Yeah. Good old color Maillard reaction. <laughs> Yay, more science. Yeah. We get real science-y today. Okay, another one from Globaz123 wants to know, how do you go from sweet pies to making savory pies? I think it goes back to liquid. Uh, it, you have to learn how to manage the filling. And um, I think I would probably, if you're, if you're concerned about it, I would probably stick with the pie dough recipe that you already know well, and that hopefully you've practiced several times and that you're comfortable with. And if it has any sugar in it, maybe just reduce that or take it out. Um, knowing that maybe browning will take a little bit longer with the dough than without the sugar, but um, and then just try changing your fillings up first. I would not change both things, the filling and the pie crust, if you're a little uncomfortable with making that switch. Yes. I mean, obviously you have to change the filling, right, to make it a savory pie. But, I mean, people here are missing out on, on like, meat pies and, and mints and stuff. Like, <laughs> they're so popular other places, but um, it's really all about desserts with pies here. But it savory pies are, are really fantastic if you can ease into that. I agree. And I think it's more mental. I think just go for the, the recipe you have and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but your idea about the sugar and the crust made me think of a tip Rose gave us on the last podcast that she was on is sugar can actually help tenderize your crust, especially if you're sure. using you've, all you have is unbleached flour. She said, I think a, a tablespoon or two per bat, per um, recipe will help tenderize your crust. And she loves to use pastry flour, which 
again, is a specific protein content, like Philip was saying. So if you don't have pastry flour, she doesn't recommend cake flour, but maybe a blend of cake and bleached all-purpose, but then throwing in a little bit of sugar will help tenderize Yeah, it. and something else I'll do sometimes is um, if I have uh, an all-purpose crust recipe, I will replace, for savory pies, I'll replace about um, a fourth or maybe even up to like a third of that with a wheat flour. And the wheat, wheat flour actually has um, less of a – uh, working protein content. And so you get a little bit more of a tender result. And, uh, but what I do when I, uh, if I do that swap is I will put the wheat flour in a food processor, uh, and blend it around a little bit because it does tend to have a little bit different texture. So, but that's a great way to, to kind of change the, the texture of the crust too, to fit the filling a little bit more. I love that tip. <clears throat> also the hardiness, like I feel like the different flour can make it a little more yeah, hearty, yeah, more savory. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. David Lamito says, do you have a favorite recipe for hot water crust? How British. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's something people don't talk about here a lot, probably because I guess again, like savory pies aren't as popular, but they've been around for a long time. Um, I actually used a recipe from good old Paul Hollywood uh, for hot water crust, and I'm pretty sure it's in one of the Bake Off cookbooks. Um, and also, if you can't get a hold of that, Cooks Illustrated has a really good hot water crust recipe that they tested like crazy. Um, yeah, it's a different way of doing things, but it, it, it does work really well. Amanda, have you ever made hot water crust pastry? No, like literally my only interaction with it is watching Bake Off. Like they always seem to talk about it on there. And then I think I see Selassie make that sometimes in his stories on Instagram. But uh, no, I've never personally made it or to my knowledge, eaten one. I don't know even like from the eating end what the difference is. What about you? Um, I've never made it either, but I've definitely eaten them with my, my family in the UK. And, um, yeah, it's different. It's a different experience, but it, it really always pairs really well with the, the, the heavier meaty feeling. Yeah. Filling. It's great with yeah. like gamier things or like pork. It's, it's really good with like pork. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's worth a try. At the foodie made. Yeah. This, no, the food I made. Does a classic pot pie have a flaky dough or a puff pastry on top? What do we have in England? Do you remember, Amanda? We had that a lot. It was puff pastry on top, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was like a Definitely. sheet that had been cut. I don't think there was a crust underneath at all. Like, it wasn't a sealed pie. It was just with the pastry on yeah. top, and that was it. I don't know. Does that, Do they write the book on classic, or do we? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm going to be pushy and say that, that, that I, I mean, I prefer a thicker... Um, kind of crust for that only because I think with a really good pot pie, the, the filling, um, you, you need that like really thick kind of dense crust, I think to have some more dry texture when you eat it. And I like that contrast, I think better than puff pastry for myself. I mean, I grew up with like Marie Callender's from the freezer yeah. and that was definitely not puff pastry on top. So for me, just like personally, I'm not saying this is like the Wikipedia answer, but the flaky dough is more what I associate with pot pie. I think go whatever your heart. Yeah. Desires. Whatever's in the fridge, like just whatever you have left. That's a great <laughs> use for leftover dough, right? Like, I mean, I keep pie scraps yeah. and use them for 
I mean, you can throw that on top of a, a pot pie and pieces if you want. And, and That's true. Rustic. That's the word, right? So Mrs. Erica Lee, E-R-I-K-A, yes, Erica Lee. How to make a good apple pie. Apple pie is normally bland. So I said roasting apples before. I definitely feel like that helps with the flavor. And then, you know, do you guys want to add any other loveliness to that? I think you have to pick the right apples too. Um, Their apples vary so much in texture and flavor. Um, I personally really like um, pink lady apples. And if you mix that, a combination of that and Granny Smith, um, and I think you still need to season it properly. I always add a little bit of salt to fruit pies. That helps drastically, I think, um, bring out that flavor too. But I love adding citrus too. Can I throw that in there? Like yeah. a little bit of lemon sometimes can brighten something up, adding the acid just with the salt thing. I feel like always that salt acid thing can make such a difference. I mean, you can go wild too. I mean, you can start adding caramel. You can start adding, you know, a little bit of liquor. Um, I've done also the Tartine, their first book, Apple Pie. And similar to your roasting idea is they fry batches of, of apples in butter. And the butter ends up browning. So you get like the brown butter and the apple juices and apple flavor gets more concentrated. So that's a fun recipe to play around with as well. Next, Cedro... Cedros Productions, preferred pan for pie baking, glass, ceramic, or, and we've answered it, <laughs> glass or aluminum. Yeah, right? it's got to, yeah. yeah you, and, and maybe if you do a pie dough or, or a crust well enough, you could transfer it into your pretty ceramic thing when you're done. But um, yeah, I just, uh, they're, they don't work for me. No. Same. I always use um, glass. I don't even use metal unless I am doing a tart. Mainly just, I like to keep an eye on that bottom. I want to. Oh, it's satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoy being able to look and knowing that the color is what I'm looking for. And then I know it's done because otherwise it's just a crapshoot of like, is this pie done? I think it's done. And unless you've made it over and over, how do you, how do you know if you can't see it? So that's my thing. All right, so it's really well too. Cast iron skillets. If you, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big cast iron fan, so um, I think they they work well. But I typically like to heat it up before I put the put everything in it, so it becomes a little dangerous, I guess. <laughs> danger, danger <laughs> in the kitchen. Wild man, but yeah, that's true. And you don't have to worry with cast iron. Like, is it going to get hot enough and cook through? I mean, it right. conducts heat so well that you can be very confident with that guy. Um, okay. Next one is shoe Claire chest pie origins. She wants to know where did this pie come from? <laughs> this is a pie I've always wanted to have. It's so it's a Southern classic. It right? is. Yeah. It's you've never had it. I it's don't think so, so good. Oh, that's amazing to me. <laughs> I, that's like, that's your I assignment. Read- <laughs> that's your assignment. Yes. Yeah. It's funny because I've read recipes for years and I'm like, this is my type of pie. This is my type of pie. It's rich. It's custardy. Like that's, and I've just haven't gotten it. They're very sweet. So I've only ever heard a rumor. I don't know if anyone actually knows where chess pie came from, but I, this could totally just be something someone told me that's not true maybe, but I heard that it used to be called a chest pie, like, like an ice chest. Um, But 
not an ice chest, actually a room temperature chest because there's such a large amount of sugar in the pie that I think people used to be able to, you can leave it at room temperature for a long time without it spoiling. And I think with a good old Southern draw, I think chest pie became chess, but I don't know if that's actually true. That might've been made up by somebody making moonshine in the woods or something, but I don't know. (laughs) That's what I've heard. So that's all I've got. Sounds good to me. Sure. Sounds good to me. (laughs) All right. Our last question is from A-M-C-R-O-S-S-2, Amcross2. What is the best way to store a baked pie on the fridge and on the counter? How long do they last? I think it depends on what kind of pie you've made. Um, Custard pies, um, like uh, pumpkin or, or any other custard base, I think need to stay refrigerated and probably last a, a few days. Um, fruit pies, you usually can keep at room temperature for uh, a couple days, but I would say if you're keeping it for longer than that, you would want to want to chill it. Um, and I will say both of those freeze well after you've baked them. You cannot freeze a custard pie before baking, but you can... Um, a lot of other pies if you're just going to bake with filling and crust and everything all at once. But That's interesting. I'd feel like freaked out to freeze a, a baked custard pie. Like I wouldn't be yeah, sure how it's it would kinda go weird, out, that's it? good to know. Yeah, yeah you can't do it know. beforehand. Uh, it won't work with with the, um, the dairy, but it'll work after. I have to tell you about one other pie sort of crust I made once, and it was so cool. Instead of using pastry at all, you spread the bottom of the pie pan with French meringue. Oh, yeah. And then you blind bake that, with obviously without um, any weights or anything. But you create a meringue crust. And then that's gorgeous for like a lemon curd filling. Oh, it's so much fun because, yeah, that's a really... That's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, and it's a kind of a free-from option, too, if you wanted something that's dairy-free, gluten-free. Um, yeah. I love that. I want to try that. Yeah, it was really good. Just like kind of lemon meringue or whatever kind of that sort of combination kind of flipped on its head with a crunchy nice. bottom. So I was thinking to send this episode out. First, we said what was the first pie we made. I'm curious from you guys, what's the next pie you're going to make? Um, I mean, it's it's Thanksgiving, right? It's going to be a classic Georgia pecan pie no chocolate in there like straight up pecans and sugar and and goo that's my next that's my (laughs) next one what time is dinner i'm on my way come on i know (laughs) jeremiah what are you gonna make well i'm starting to teach some baking classes in my kitchen and the first class is tomorrow and i'll be making a portuguese style caramelized almond tart or i guess it, it is that's the nest tart I'm going to make. And also, Amanda and I are going to be doing a bake-along for this tart. So watch out for that. Watch out for it. Yeah. And I have, you and me, we're such tart people, Jeremiah. <laughs> like, we're always like, oh, this tart. And I'm like, well, I feel like it should be pie. But um, I've got a tart coming up. It's also a nut tart with caramel, but an oatmeal cookie crust that I'm doing for um some uh a collaboration with a company next week so i'm excited to do that because oatmeal cookies yay yes (laughs) yum well thank you philip for being with us once again you'll be our recurring (laughs) star of course (laughs) thanks for having me it's always it's always fun yeah we've been looking forward to this so much so we really appreciate it and i'm already excited for season three next year with you (laughs) 
If you'll have us. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everyone's pies go much, much better this year. Have fun. Today's episode is sponsored by So Chatty Chocolate. And So Chatty sent us some of their chocolate, and we've gotten to play with it. And I'm dying to know, Amanda, what did you make? Well, since So Chatty is single origin, kind of similar to a really nice bottle of wine or a really beautiful pound of coffee, it has these really great flavor notes. I wanted to keep it simple. So I made a mousse tart, which is really just the cream and the chocolate mixed together so I could get all those delicious flavor notes to shine. What did you make? Similar to you, I made a chocolate ganache, but I layered it into a buckwheat crepe cake. So I wanted to show off those unique flavors as well. Now, So Chatty is really special. There's only three ingredients, cocoa beans, organic cane sugar, and organic cocoa butter that make up this delicious chocolate. And that's not the only thing that's unique about it. I thought it was really interesting that it came in a pouch, right? It's different, something I hadn't seen before. But I learned that the reason they do that is because air can actually deteriorate the quality of a chocolate. So they're protecting their precious chocolate in this pouch. And they're resealable. So you take the cap, and if you don't use all the chocolate, you just screw it back on and store it at room temperature. And then warming it is very easy. Once it's become solid again, you just put it in a bowl of warm water. You'll have gorgeous melted chocolate. All right, so So Chatty is available on Amazon. You can learn more about it on their website, SoChatty.com. And we have a discount code for you if you're buying some on Amazon. It's 25 Flower Pod, so 25-F-L-O-U-R-P-O-D. That's for 25% off, which is roughly $5 off. Be sure to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it.